0: Welcome to the Emma Daily klein podcast. Thanks for tuning in today. This is Horsemanship Remark show number 17, which was summer 2021, and the one and only Buck Brandman joined me since he was here to do a clinic in Boring, Oregon. We got to spend an hour together. It was super fun. I cannot imagine that I need to give him more of an introduction. I hope you enjoy it. If you do, please subscribe to my channel. Share it with somebody that you think might also appreciate it.
1: Good morning everybody! I'm coming to you live from Actually, I'm coming to you live from the Mount Hood Equestrian Center, which is a place where I horse showed as as a little kid, if you can believe that. And good morning, Stephanie! Hi, hi guys! So we're here for the Buck Brandling Clinic Tour. It's once again gonna be adventurous because why would we not wanna have good stories? stuck at the side of the road the other day, (laughs) yesterday with my horse, and it's going to be a gajillion degrees. And so, you know, I think the best thing about the Summer Horsemanship Tour is getting to really talk to the man himself about all the things that we've been working on throughout the year. So... I thought it might be fun if we would get to visit this morning. <laughs> Good morning, Buck Brandman. Hello. Here we are in Oregon once again. Hooray! A new venue.
2: Yeah, it's nice. It's really nice. Fancy. Yeah.
1: Uh huh. So when did you get here?
2: Oh, uh, day before yesterday. I went oh. A long drive from Sheridan, not Oregon, Sheridan, Wyoming. It's a long drive at a hundred degrees.
1: Oh yeah. It was windy. Was it windy up in the gorge?
2: Yeah, always windy in the gorge, yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, we're so glad you're here. What have you been Thanks. doing since then?
2: uh Playing golf yesterday. So I can't hardly lift my arms today.
1: <laughs> but you did win, so that's
2: important. You don't win at golf. <laughs> you don't? <laughs> you just try not to lose.
1: Okay. Well, you guys aren't winning money or anything. Is golf easier than horsebacks? I, I t- won
2: lunch yesterday. You did win? I don't. did. Yeah.
1: Yeah, made forty bucks. <laughs> so what about um golf versus horsemanship? Similarities? Differences?
2: Oh, you know, they're I guess in one respect, they're both hard. You know, I've I've played a lot of sports. Basketball, I used to love basketball. Well it's not a real social game. And there's a point to where
1: Basketball's not social?
2: No, not really. I mean you can't really you can't get a game in a different town every week you know and oh, yes. that kind of stuff and and golf is something you can do by yourself because sometimes i show up and i don't know anybody and nothing does to
1: that do. happen
2: anymore though oh not too much but it used to be you know i wouldn't know anyone so i'd go get a golf cart and take off play golf and i don't mind playing golf alone either it's more fun with your friends but i don't i don't mind yeah but it's the golf ball doesn't have feelings doesn't have emotions. It doesn't have all the variables that a horse brings to it. Now golfers have feelings. You can see that when they're throwing their clubs and beating on their golf bag and all that stuff. But I don't do that kind of stuff. Not ever. No.
1: Have you ever hit? Have you ever like thrown the? You know the stick um, down. It might have like...
2: accidentally slipped out of my hands once, but it's just because I didn't have a good grip. I think yes I'm not a I'm not a I don't have tantrums
1: <laughs> I think the golf course is probably a safer place to let it out throwing yeah. clubs around <laughs> you know I was thinking one of the things I was gonna ask you side note was like are there never do's in horsemanship like stuff you must never do well, so I was thinking
2: about well, yeah, there's temper, a, there's a million never do's, you know, like, Yeah, you know, like, Oh, you can't believe what I've seen over the years. Never, never take your, try to take your saddle off your horse when you forgot to undo your back cinch. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's lots of things <laughs> and you'd be surprised.
1: You can totally never, have- never
2: get on from the left side of your horse by putting your right foot in the stirrup first. Have you seen that? I have. A few times. People People get
1: so wound up, right?
2: They get so damn nervous. that, And they know better. And they're just like, "Ah." but, But I used to get nervous in front of Ray. I think I did anyway. Because, you know, I just wanted to do well. You know, I wanted him to be proud of me. And, gosh, sometimes I got in my own way. You know, but he understood that
1: do you feel like that faded over the years or
2: well yeah i got more at ease because we became we became friends and and really dear friends me and ray and carolyn and um so then i was more at ease because not everybody became ray's friend ray ray didn't have a desire to have that many friends really the horse was his friend and it was it was rare that that he would think of a person as a friend because he just wasn't too interested he he loved people and was kind and a gentleman and just a neatest guy but he didn't he didn't have this need to be made secure by other people he did his own deal and and I think that's what made him so unique that he was able to to bring this kind of horsemanship to the world because he didn't need people validating him the horse did that.
1: We talked about that just a little bit on the podcast about how like it kind of had to be someone <clears throat> like Ray that could yeah. cope yeah. with with that kind of.
2: Even cope with the stress of rejection because when Ray first started, you know, they, there was even uh, some of the older people, there were old cowboys that said, ah, I think he's doing, I think it's witchcraft. I think he's hypnotizing the horses and on and on and on. It was just it was very funny because they just didn't understand it. They wanted to explain it away somehow. And uh you that know, like it
1: seems the, so crazy.
2: Like the crocodile dundee thing where he'd you know do that to the to the crocodile.
1: Of oh it, yeah, yeah.
2: Yeah, so they had a hard time handling Ray because he was doing everything different from what was the conventional wisdom, you know. So, but he was the guy to, he was the guy to do it because he had broad shoulders and he, he believed, he believed in what he was doing.
1: And, um, he was kind of tempered, you were saying before by having a club
2: foot. Yeah. He, he was born with a club foot and, and in those days, you know, you figure 75 years ago, someone that had a a birth defect like that you imagine how how mean the other kids were to him you know he was treated like a like a freak you know it made people uncomfortable and uh, gosh little kids can be mean to each other they still can but it's nowadays it's it's not accepted to make fun of somebody because they look a little different you know but in those days you imagine what he put up with so he was kind of a lone wolf growing up and then And then he he really wanted to be a cowboy, he grew up on a farm in Idaho, really wanted to be a cowboy so he went to Nevada and sure enough within just a few years he was respected as one of the best cowboys in the Great Basin and then he he was trying to show a few horses to stock horses and he ran across this horse, Hondo and uh, he would either win a class on him a cow horse class, of course in those days the guys showing cow horses then they took them home and cowboyed on them you know they weren't just show horses so they weren't the little hothouse flowers you see nowadays they they worked for a living but anyway Hondo would either win the class or try to buck him off and he was a bad dude I guess and Ray was quite the bronc rider back in the day and he had heard about Tom Dorrance, <clears throat> and he'd heard about him through Bill, Tom's brother.
1: How did he know Bill?
2: Well, I I think he met Bill just through the kind of the cowboy network, really. And but the Dorrances, they were they were funny guys. They, they were four brothers, and if, if this is how Bill uh, addressed it, Ray said to Bill, "You think you could help me with this horse?" And, and Bill said, "Well, I." I don't know that much about horses, but I have a brother that knows a lot. And you need to see him. Well, at the same rate, they did that for years. Tom would say the same thing. Tom would say, well, I don't know very much, but my brother Bill, yeah, that's who you need to talk to because he really knows a lot. So anyway, Ray went to see Tom, and um, Tom helped him with Hondo. And uh, a year later, Ray's kids were riding that horse around and just galloping around, having a good time. And and then that fall, Ray won the Hackamore class at the Cow Palace.
1: Oh, I didn't realize it was in that order. Yeah. Oh, okay.
2: Yeah. It was because of his meeting with Tom that he won the Cow Palace. And and, uh, at the time, set the all-time high score there. So that was pretty cool and a lot of people don't remember that you know some people over the years would say well if Ray Hunt's so great how come he's not showing horses and yet you know I knew the history of it it's like you weren't even wearing a diaper yet you weren't even a twinkle in your dad's eye and he was showing horses so but it just it got to be something that he sort of outgrew it. it wasn't it wasn't for him first Ray was a cowboy and a cowman and uh that's where he felt like he most belonged but then he uh then he started doing the clinics and thank goodness or who the hell knows what i've been doing with my life
1: so i love it when you talk about ray because it seems like this mysterious like i don't know secret story that that it's it's funny because it's far from me but, like, I'm, you know, pretty connected to you. So, like, you're this this connection to to what Ray and Tom and Bill were actually, you know, kind of up to. And it's, I feel like it's so interesting how things can get so telephoned, you know, like, down the line. You, you know what I mean? Like, two people down the line, whatever was said, gets so garbled.
2: Well, yes. Yeah, <clears throat> I always think of it like this. You know, Ray was like the Ray and Tom was like the it was like the spring up on the side of the mountain, you know, and the closer you got to the source, the the better the water was and then over the years you know, there was no such thing as a an industry of education, horse education or clinics, it was Ray started all that and in a little bit before Ray or during that time, Maudie Foreman was doing clinics and he had the. He wasn't really doing things like Ray, <clears throat> but at the same rate, he was trying to change horsemanship, and he did some good things. And he was a good hand. It wasn't really the Tom Dorrance's um, vision, but uh, nevertheless, he was an innovator, and he made his mark on the world too. But anyway, there were no clinics at all back in the day, and then pretty soon there was, and uh, so gradually now it's well everybody's doing clinics and it's almost and it's like the people that are trying to learn are drinking farther and farther and farther downstream from what the source was and some of the play, some of the watering holes have well you know what back ta- backpackers do in the mountains you know so uh, it could be laced with Giardia by the time they get <laughs> By the time they got to it.
1: And yet labeled so, as water.
2: Yeah, it looks like water.
1: Right? It's like, wait but, a minute now.
2: You know, but at the same rate, everybody's trying to do the best they can, you know.
1: That's the the great paradox, I guess, right, in horsemanship.
2: And there's some there's some people out there that will never be known. For one reason or another, that are damn good hands, that are really handy and and uh, and, and deserve <clears throat> deserve the praise because they obviously had to work hard at it. And so, you know, that's pretty cool. I love it when I see somebody come in on a nice horse. You know, it doesn't make me envious or jealous. I'll go up to him and say, "Hey, I like your horse. You did a good job. That thing's softer," but. Uh, there's so much envy and jealousy in the horse thing, but I reckon it's probably in everything, you know, because that's human nature to be envious and jealous of other people. I don't like that. I think it's ugly.
1: Talking um, back about seeing beyond the dress, like it's <laughs> it's annoying for you, I know, and and also so maddening just from my perspective people like well what kind of horsemanship especially you know when all i wanted was after i watched you ride rebel you show me that remember that you show me show me how to do that you're like okay it's gonna take a while But it was never okay. First, you have to change your saddle. Then you have to change your outfit. Then you have to have a different horse. Like and then you
2: have to buy the ball cap. And yeah, I don't care much about that. <clears throat> you know the um, some some people really uh, like the marketing side of things. You know, it's like I you have to buy my signature saddle and snaffle bit and reins and shaps and hat and. Tube socks and T-shirt or whatever. Um, And frankly, from a business point of view, over the last forty years, I probably could have made a hell of a lot of money doing it, but I might not be the same guy. And I didn't want to. I didn't want it. I didn't want it to turn me into something else. It's still about the horse for me. All these years later, so I'm I'm good with it.
1: And as you're bringing another crop of horses through. And you guys, we talk about this a lot, about how valuable it is to watch you develop horse after horse after horse over the years so that so that it's not just a sound bite.
2: Well, I never wanted it to be where I was uh, a one horse wonder. You know, that I got one horse really broke and just traveled around the country and showed off like the court jester, look what I can do on a horse. I want to make as many as I can because every horse I every horse I make is is better in a lot of ways. So I'm better after every horse.
1: And then we get to see the application of it depends. Yeah. Because because <clears throat> what you know, I don't know how do you say this? Where it's like some of the principles or the skeleton is what it is. But every application every horse
2: well that's you know what ray would say You'd, you have to learn to adjust to fit the situation every horse is going to be a little different and you got to find what's going to click with him so there isn't it isn't just a system that you can just memorize there are typical things that you're going to get every horse to do try to but you may have to go about it a little bit differently in terms of the field that you offer a particular horse, and that's what keeps it interesting. It keeps keeps me thinking about it for sure.
1: So we should talk about because um, I probably had five or six, uh, five or six requests for you to answer the question of how you pick your horses.
2: That's uh, yeah, a tough one because sometimes they pick me. But <clears throat> years ago, I think probably in order for me to feel like I was legit, um, I I had some horses because and I I went and found them because I knew they were going to be really touchy and really difficult. And that, and I knew that they would make me better if I survived it. I knew they'd make me better. You know, Biff being one of them, and lots of people that go back a long time with me. They remember Biff. Of the first two years, I hauled him. I wouldn't let anybody come near my horse trailer because he might stand real close to the trailer and get slack in the rope. And if you got within range, he'd just step back and kick your head off if, if you Why was he attention. so mad? Well, the place, and I wrote about this in my book. The place that he come off of, they were, they would, when they'd go to halt to break the colts, they'd lead the mare and foal in a stall barn or in a tie stall in an old barn, and then they would just sort of mug the colt and get a halter on it and tie it in the tie stall and lead the mare out, and then they tie it, tie it up, yeah, and then they'd they'd leave the colt in there for a couple of days without food or water. No. Yeah, and then they would untie it and then kind of drag it and someone would be behind beating on it and take it to the creek to drink like they were going to associate getting a big drink of water with following this person. Uh-huh. I mean, it's caveman stuff, but hey, don't think people still don't do that because they do, but so anyway. Where do they
1: do stuff? Oh, hell, they
2: do it everywhere. You'd be surprised. <laughs> but, uh, so Biff was one of those that it didn't work. And, uh in those days, a horse that come off that outfit—if you called, say, the carpenters in in uh, Kalispell, they were, they uh, bought and sold a lot of bucking horses and produced rodeos. If you called them up and said, "Hey, I have this horse; has an FX brand on his hip," they'd be like, "I'll take him. I'll take him. We want him." Because they made more bucking horses on that outfit than they did anything there for a while, but. So it was how they were being handled and some of the people that were handling the horses for those folks that owned that ranch. Oh my gosh, they were idiots. So Biff was one that he kind of slipped through the cracks. They couldn't get him leading. He was flipping over backwards and striking and kicking at him. And you then, would
1: think that would be
2: 90%. Well, they, right you'd think, but the horses figure out things in spite of people. So oh so I bought him, he was five years old and I bought him and he was unstarted. And he was quite a little project, but gosh, he was. Uh, we got to be really good friends. I just lost him a couple of years ago now. Yeah.
1: I yeah. better not talk about the horses that have to go on without <laughs> us. Um, wh- how long did it take before you convinced him to be friends?
2: Years years but i you know i probably i was doing lots and lots of colt classes in those those days so i probably oh i probably roped four thousand colts on him but that was he wasn't gentle i was just getting horses worked on him but that got him gentle just doing a job you know eventually and i was always good to him he wasn't necessarily good to me in the beginning but uh yeah I learned so much from that horse and I've had others that were you know a hell of a lot easier than that nowadays I'm not looking for <clears throat> I'm not looking for the bronchiest horse I can find just to make a project out of him i I know how to get around those kind of horses I've started thousands so you know I'm not looking to impress anybody or convince myself of anything so but it varies you know the horses I have with me all three of them look totally different, but they're going to be interesting. A lot of the last few years, the horses that I'm on usually have something to do with a horse trading deal with my daughter. So I don't know that I pick them. I, maybe she picks them for me or something.
1: It's been working out. Yeah. <laughs> so I guess the question, well, can we go back to this, that I love, I don't know that I've heard you say that about um, any horse really, but but in in context of Biff, of you know that he wasn't gentle or he wasn't he wasn't necessarily nice to you for a long time, and you yeah. were nice to him.
2: Yeah, it's for- not per- it's not personal. It's not personal. He was just trying to survive, and it took him a a long time to come through, and. I don't know if I have the energy to have another Biff, you know, but, <laughs> but he, uh, he ended up being a good horse and he, he was not a pretty horse. My friend, Jeff, we grew up together. He asked me one time, he said, you could ride any horse you want. You could have about any horse right now. Why are you riding that ugly son of a bitch? And, uh, I said because he's going to make me better. That's why. And, but he had a head only a mother could love. Big old Roman nose. He's. He,
1: I like the Roman. He nose. was
2: not. He was not a a pretty horse. But when he was packing a spade bit a few years later. He was pretty.
1: Was there a day when you remember, or like, can, can you remember an acute time of when you guys suddenly were. Like. Now we're kindred.
2: No, no it was just, gra- it was just gradual, you know. But I, man, I I cowboyed on him outside quite a bit. You know, branded a lot of calves on him. All of it was he could he wouldn't have made it as a backyard horse that someone maybe was going to just dabble with and just kind of oh, play around. He would not have made it. He needed the riding that I had for him. And, mm-hmm. and uh, there's a lot of horses don't make it because they don't have enough to do. And there are lots of horses that. It doesn't take much to get them going good. They can have a pretty sedentary life, and still, it still it works out because of the horse's nature. You know? But some of them need, need a real job and uh, need wet saddle blankets.
1: So would you say then that's, that would be something to consider when choosing a horse? If, if folks <laughs> yeah. are asked, like, what is our lifestyle? How much work? How much turnout? How much, like, seasonal... Like all of that,
2: I guess. Well, it's a little bit like that uh, <clears throat> that commercial on TV. I don't know what in the hell they're selling, probably insurance or something. But where the guy's getting a tattoo and he's like, are you sure you spelled that right? And that <laughs> big burly guy giving the tattoo, he said, hey, stay in your lane, bro. <laughs> it's kind of like that with horses, too. You you have to know uh, what your ability is, is, is going to be going into the deal what you're going to be able to offer the horse. And it doesn't make you less. You might not have enough experience to handle what would be a perfectly good horse for someone else. So you, you need to be realistic or it's just going to break your heart doing it. And you're going to be disappointed and maybe get scared and then pretty soon not even be in horses. So,
1: That's such a good point. you got to
2: find something that's going to fit you. And maybe with a few years of experience, you could take on something. But... I would just tell people, don't get into horses and think you're going to save the world. Do it to make you more full. You know, I always say that the horse thing is either going to feed your ego or feed your soul. And you choose. But if you're you're choosing the ego thing, watch out. You'll be sorry.
1: And if you're choosing
2: the soul thing? It'll make you better. In ways that you didn't uh, didn't realize.
1: Get ready to laugh and cry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. That's, what do we talk? You say it, but I think we've probably all experienced it, uh, and you put words to it. Yeah. Despair to euphoria <laughs> <and>
2: back again. <laughs> yeah. That
1: would happen if you were in it, with for your ego too, right?
2: Yeah yeah it's just it's a challenging it's a challenging thing and you have to even when you have a a knowledge and a good idea how to do things um you you have to be all in you have to be committed to doing it and it has to be a passion and but there are degrees of how people approach the horse thing um it's art to me working with the horse is art and and it's always been, by, by sophisticated people, has always been considered one of the fine arts, working with horses. But for some people, it's just an activity, you know, like bowling or something. Um, and that's all right. Th- that might be as far as some people want to take it, and that doesn't make them bad. But it would just be, a, they're approaching it differently without the passion and, and devotion that I do. But I learned a long time ago, don't expect everybody to, to be as passionate about this as me, but I'm overjoyed when I meet people who are.
1: And you are so good at, and you've been clear about this, I think from the first weekend that I met you 10 years ago, Um, which means you've been saying it for way longer than that. You know, this uh, your ability to not judge people. Well, Pre- ju- prejudge, is that right? And you're way better at giving people latitude to change magically. Then, well, like, I get disappointed. But you, like, leave the door open for so long.
2: Well, that's only because I've been wrong so damn many times. <laughs> In that, you know how a lot of times people say, well, you know, I had a gut feeling right off that. My first impression is that that guy was no good. Mm-hmm. And uh, I used to be, I, I, you know, it's been decades, but I I know I was that way, too. And then it turned out sometimes I'd get to know somebody a little bit and know their story. And I was wrong, so wrong. And I would, then I just would kind of beat myself up thinking, you know what, it was pretty ignorant. To make up your mind about that person so early, because you don't know them, you don't know what's in their heart, what's in their mind, what what they're even just dealing with in their life that makes them come across in a way that's uncomfortable. so I've just learned not to not to make up my mind too quick, give them some time, see what it turns them into.
1: That alone is a magical skill. The skills not the right word quality to develop i guess in our in ourselves yeah it, it is not that i will try to do better i mean i guess it's just because like you can only get so disappointed with other people so many times before you start trying to protect yourself but i hear you saying is it's worse to be judging someone and then be wrong
2: yeah <clears throat> well sometimes it works the other way too you know, sometimes, um, and I wouldn't say it happens very, very damn often, but sometimes people maybe judge me a little bit uh, harshly, and uh, and once in a while, I don't pay a hell of a lot of attention to the internet and all that stuff. But once in a while, someone the will say,
1: internet pays attention to you.
2: <laughs> <laughs> but once in a while, someone will say something really really cruel that they wouldn't, they wouldn't have said if they knew me better, Mm -hmm. if they knew my heart and, uh, how I feel about things, they wouldn't, they wouldn't have said it. But that, um, that I can still have my heart broken. I'm not so, I don't have such thick skin as what you'd think, but you just learn to deal with it. But there isn't, uh, I would say that doesn't happen very often. Um, the great thing about what I do is I'm, every week I'm around people who I feel like, um, care about me and and, uh, and think it's important that we're together. So, yeah, most people make me feel really comfortable with what I do.
1: It's so fun. I think people think that like it's, it's cause it kind of does look scary from the outside of the clinic, like just talking about the clinics itself, you mm-hmm. know? But like when we're all together in the arena, it it gets just so fun.
2: Yeah, well, it is uh, once you're at ease. But yeah. Sometimes you know I'll I'll be trying to read somebody and I'll think, is she like mad or angry or is she pissed off at even being here? <laughs> and and then you know, like I say, you kind of want to get a little hard on them but then but I don't and then you realize maybe a few days later the same person would come up and she'd say oh, God, I was so damn scared the first day and you scared the hell out of me the first day and I'm like me? What? <laughs> uh, and you realize that that expression wasn't what you thought it was the expression was I'm freaking terrified to be here and I'm afraid something's going to go wrong and I'm going to look terrible and blah 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 so, again, it's that judgment thing. you got to be careful because more often than not, you're probably wrong.
1: I think I just didn't know enough to be scared of you <laughs> when I came in. I, but, it, but then people are scared of, like, if their horse is scared and all yeah. of that. But for the most part, like, by the time we get rolling, it's just the best time. What could be better <laughs> than playing ponies with, with <laughs> right? Well, I think that's interesting. That was kind of Carlos's question about Hondo. and Yeah. And you having a horse that sort of...
2: Yeah, sort of. But, you know, like we were saying before we started this, um, you know, it was such a great story with Ray and Hondo and, and the history of uh, Ray and Tom. You know, there's so many people I've heard over the years have tried to take that story and, and make it sound like, oh, yeah, I'm just like Ray, I had a hondo, and and this was part of my journey, and blah, 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 and no, Ray's story was unique, and uh, it was a, it really did begin his journey through this, um, but some people are real cliched in that, because they want to they wanna spin a yarn and make it sound like, oh, yes, me and Ray have been on the same path No you haven't, no you haven't, it's just, it's just BS, you know, so, no, there was no one, there was no one like Ray, and I don't suppose there ever will be.
1: So, you've had some pretty spectacular horses in in your time, though, of course, and one of the ones that got brought up from the gang was Rebel, my boyfriend, whom I loved and adored. Um, when did he die? Last
2: year, two years ago, two years
1: ago now.
2: Yeah. Um, yeah, it's funny too, that, that, that I was out feeding in the pasture and, uh, he was a very stoic horse. He wasn't that crazy about people, but very gentle. But, uh, like if people were going to, you know, go up and rub on him or love on him, I'm pretty sure he just thought, hey, you know what, if this makes you feel better, go <laughs> ahead, I'm not getting that much out of it, but I'll sure let you rub on me if it makes you feel better. But uh, he and I really, were, really were close. And so anyway, he came up to me in the pasture and I had kind of retired him from the road because I was riding other horses. And I would kind of had my arms around his neck and I was like, gosh damn, you're still a pretty son of a bitch. And I thought, I'm going to, I think I might crack you out one more year. You're, just, you're not old. I think I might crack you out and just, you'll be the horse that I just enjoy. Because he's made made horse. And I'll be a sunbuck the next day he died. Terrible. But he was stoic right to the end because he had a had a twisted gut. And, you know, a lot of horses are kicking at their belly and laying down and switching their tail it's pretty obvious he just stood still really yeah just uh yeah
1: Were you
2: there? yeah i was there and i had to be the one to hmm. to put him down and sound like it was terrible
1: we can't talk too much he- about that yeah. <gasps> let's talk about the him being stoic when a the bugs remember the bugs in his ears and that was the coolest thing to see a horse mind over matter that deal
2: yeah there for a couple of years i'd get into the this one place in morgan hill california and they had these they're called spinos ticks and they crawl down in their ears and then they when they bite they release a neurotoxin and oh it was just terrible first figuring out what it was and then finally a lady in the in my clinic uh who was a vet figured it out but uh my one horse that got there it you. the worst was uh guapo oh um,
1: yeah
2: i damn near lost him he was by the time i got to colorado he was having seizures in the trailer and oh it was it was the most horrifying it was thing. so
1: weird because his whole body would shake right and then you'd and get he'd get those
2: he'd go down on the ground yeah. and thrash around and so, but,
1: what a baby. But <laughs> my cl-
2: my clinic was at CSU, so uh, we got him into the emergency room there. And I kept thinking during the clinic I was going to get a call where they said, hey, man, it was too late.
1: Colorado <laughs> State University.
2: Yeah. yeah. And uh, by golly, they brought him out of it, and he's...
1: Breeding mares.
2: Breeding mares, living the dream. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Hit up Riata if you want to get your hair <laughs> bred to that one. But tell about Rebel then, because we were in Reno.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And that was I forget the lady's name. Chrissanne. Oh it was? Okay.
1: Right? The vet.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Wasn't it I think?
2: Yeah. So uh yeah, um, Rebel had him too, but he was just
1: And he like would say, stand there so,
2: so stoic that you could hardly tell there was anything anything wrong.
1: But can you imagine you guys, he had bugs in his ears, like crawling around. And so he was stand you'd be sitting on him. And, all you know, all bridled up, and he just, you could just see it on his face, but he he was still.
2: Yeah, he didn't, uh, he didn't want to disappoint me. <laughs>
1: yeah.
2: Yeah. And he could do it. Yeah, he was a cool horse.
1: I miss him. It was amazing to see. It's one of those things, like, horsemanship is so, um... Multi-dimensional, I guess. I mean that's kind of a duh thing to say. But it, like I just think of Rebel and I mean we have lots of video and pictures of you and him, but in real life, like the dynamic, the whole dynamic of it all between the two of you guys was um
2: Yeah, we really kind of fit each other. Yeah. Yeah, he was good.
1: And we were talking about Ark. At the other of-
2: that's the, that arc is, I think, the best gilding Mary and I have ever raised. Ark is, uh, confirmationally is perfect. Just what you Perfect do. for what I want. If I, I've even thought about cloning him just, you know, I won't, but oh, I've, that's thought
1: about,
2: I've thought about it a little bit.
1: He'd be one to do it.
2: Oh, uh, he was such a, he was... The nicest horse we've ever raised, and my friend Gary—he might watch his Gary Myers.
1: I'm sure everyone um, will. Hi, everyone. Us-
2: usually <laughs> about once a year, and we'd be fishing, floating down the Madison. He'd uh, he'd say, "Hey, you know, just so you know, you got to have your ass kicked for castrating ARC. <laughs> Thanks, Gary. You tell me that every year. <laughs> And it's true. Gosh, I wish I hadn't castrated him. But I'm a little knifey when it comes to studs. I, I just think most studs would make a lot better gelding. <clears throat> but uh, gosh, I wish I had him as a stud because that bloodline is pretty hard to pretty hard to beat it. But they're not. They were. They're all difficult horses to start. They're not for the weak hearted but man, they're tough, good horses. You couldn't, you couldn't get to the bottom of them. If you were cowboying cowboy outside, you had plenty of horse left at the end of the day and, uh, and cowie and, and big, good travelers. But yeah. I'm glad I got to see him
1: cause I only got to see him at the, you know, towards the, towards the end, he
2: was still in his prime. Yeah. but Just amazing. He still looks good. <laughs> He's 20 something. <laughs> and uh he looks as good now as he did when he was five years old he looks great
1: yeah all 1500 pounds of him yeah <laughs> so speaking of Colts colt starting you want to say a thing or two about the flag because michael and i were talking about it and there'll be our one technical horsemanship thing we talk about
2: well yeah you because know I, I talk about it a lot in the colt deal you know it's sort of like Just because you have a flag doesn't necessarily mean you're going to get your horse any better in that you might get them where they're not scared of the flag, where they may be just stand there with a blank look on their face. Well, that's not good if that's all you got going on. You've got to be able to have them respect the flag also and yield to it if if you use it to move their feet. But yield to it without being afraid. So it's the way you apply it, the way you present it, makes all the difference. You could present the flag, maybe he's a little scared, and uh, he checks out and wants to scoot away from it. <clears throat> and then if the if the gap between you and the horse becomes greater and the pressure all goes off, well then you've sort of told him he did the right thing by choosing to escape so there are so many nuances to it that people really take it for granted where they just mechanically walk around shake the flag hit their horse with it the horse goes they stop hitting the horse and that's not it at all it's not even close but in some ways the horse might fill in and get a little better in spite of them but there's a hell of a lot to just getting a horse to where he's confident you won't hurt him but not dull and a lot of people will, will, uh, will get the horse dull. I don't want them dull. I don't want them afraid, and I don't want them punchy the way they move. I want them confident that I won't hurt them. And then if I had to use the flag to move their feet. But remember, that's only if they didn't follow a feel that I offered with my leading hand to begin with. The flag is plan B. It's not plan A. And some people will use, they don't have even have a freaking plan, let alone plan A or plan B. They just want the horse to go and they hit him with it. Well, they're never going to get what I'm talking about. But thats that's the same as anything else. You have to approach it with some feel. And you have to be approaching it to where you're doing less and less all the time and still getting a result. So... Gosh, that, some of that is just working thousands of horses and, and, uh, failing, failing on some and having to adjust and, and get better. And then when you get better, the horse, he doesn't, he doesn't hold a grudge. You know, people probably would under the same circumstances, but when you seem to finally do it in a way that fits the horse, the horse is like, well, Welcome home, so
1: <laughs> I think that I, I I feel so grateful to have watched you for so many hours without an agenda. I think that's one of the one of the things that I've really benefited from in in the sense that um sometimes I didn't have like a specific i didn't sometimes I didn't even have a horse with me, but watching you overall the overall context of how you are with the horses is is the priceless i mean it's i don't know i never can figure out how to give the nod to the mechanics cuz they have to be there right yeah but with but but it's a mistake to laser in on the mechanics without at least using your peripheral.
2: Well, that's the kind of part of the learning process is you sort of are, you approach this when you first get going mechanically, you figure out what a horse can do, what you want the horse to do. And, and what you need to do mechanically, where you need to be the position you need to be in. Um, you'll start out just mechanically, but then you have to transcend that at some point, if you're going to keep improving to where then, then it's about feel. So it, but that's part of the journey. At first it is just purely mechanical and uh, kind of nuts and bolts stuff. And then, but you're not getting anywhere until you start thinking about feel. And but, that, that- but that takes time.
1: And, and you got to, it. it's such a benefit to have someone that you trust to watch. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean?
2: Yeah.
1: That is like. Yeah. Because if you don't have someone that you can actually watch.
2: Yeah. Well, that's what it was with Ray. I mean, I saw him. He didn't let people work their cults in the beginning.
1: Oh, yeah. That's a big cheat. I well. I just want to
2: turn this. Okay. In in the beginning, they would lead their horse in, hand him the horse, and uh, he'd say, okay, you can go now. And uh, then he would work the horse and he would saddle him. And, you know, he'd do all the stuff that I've been teaching for years. And then uh, then he'd go flag him and he'd say, all right, come on in, let's ride him. And uh, so it was cool because I got to see Ray do that on thousands of horses. So
1: he's yeah. a cheater that's the bottom line you just admitted <laughs> to cheating
2: <laughs> well you've so, got to
1: watch that's the thing right? yeah. like you. Have.
2: well that's the thing there are a lot of people there at the clinics but and and they could have seen the same thing as me but they didn't necessarily they would just it was almost like well I've given my horse to this guy let him go ahead and start oh, him no. and I'll go have a coffee or go visit with somebody I saw every moment every moment
1: Because you have to keep watching after you know what the steps are going to be.
2: Yeah. There was never a time, even 35 years later, there was never a time where when I would go see Ray that he didn't make me better. Every single time I'd go away just thinking, oh my gosh, that guy is is a master. And that's, you know, 35, 40 years of of, uh, knowing Ray and spending time with him and most people most people have no idea how good he really was because you have to have some experience and knowledge yourself to understand how deep that ran he always impressed everybody when he was around horses but they they didn't know they didn't know how how great he was i
1: did i think that's what I always that's what I feel like I'm always trying to express is like when it's only when you have studied a certain degree a person like you know and and have a certain amount of experience then keep watching because then you're really gonna the farther in you get the can you imagine what you could see now
2: oh gosh
1: good lord right
2: oh there there are times I miss him so much you know to be able to to call him up or go see him
1: what could you he I could, mean like think could about really,
2: he could do me some good now <laughs> he maybe finally would have a little something to work with <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah and but I have a lot of memories of, of him seeing him work and that's what I uh, rely on now
1: so speaking of memories and history uh what am I, recording history, and the benefit of being able to watch somebody, even though it's not the same as in real life. Video, pretty handy. So, I just thought that maybe we should let the cat out of the bag.
2: Yeah, I, uh... um...
1: Because you know we've been asking for a thousand years more 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 video please show us everything <laughs> because we need to re-watch it and, and you know we get a new horse or we have a new situation arise and it might be like oh if I could just watch him do X you know one more time
2: well I know I know a lot of you watching are going to be shocked and you're probably going <clears> to <throat> faint or something but uh, I'm doing a deal called the Buck Channel and you'll be able to access it through my website and and what got me thinking was last year during the covid thing when we were all in prison at home and couldn't work couldn't go anywhere or do anything i thought what if this what if this was permanent you know to where i couldn't is that
1: really what got you
2: yeah Mm. it was like what what if I can't do clinics anymore? And then there are other things, you know, what if I got hurt <coughs> and I just can't drive down the road anymore?
1: Clement
2: Flora. Uh-oh. Good morning, Clement Flora. <laughs> Those are the nicest kids ever.
1: We get to hang out with them next I week. Wanna,
2: I want to I want to take them home. <laughs> you do. Know, so anyway, I'm doing these videos and I've been putting a lot of them together to where you'll be able to go to the Buck channel and scroll up or down the list and find Just what you need to know, maybe you're having a particular problem with your horse and uh, over the years I'll be accumulating more and more and more to where you'll be able to get an answer in five minutes on your phone and go back to riding your horse rather than think, well, I'm not going to see Buck for six months. I'll be sure and ask him when when I see him. So, yeah, I'm coming to the 21st century, believe it or not
1: whining all the way
2: it's actually I'm kind of excited about it because you know I've thought about this real hard I would give anything to have a few hundred clips of Ray riding working with horses just doing things with horses I would give anything to be able to look at that on my phone every day I would do it every single day well that's not there and I sure as hell wish it was because like I say I miss him And that would be my way of staying connected with him. So I don't want to make the same mistake. You know, I'm not planning on dying right away, but I'm not going to be around forever. And uh, this will be something I can leave behind for people that will never, will never meet. But still the information is going to be there and it won't just be lost because it's too important what Ray and Tom did with their lives to have this just go away and just sort of become a myth, you know? So I'm working pretty hard at at doing this and it, it should be up and running within 90 to 120 days. So I, uh, I hope you guys get a lot out of it. I think you will. Yes. Yeah. Should be kind of fun.
1: It's going to be really exciting. So yeah, four months, Let's buy winterish,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and it will be, um, well, the format will be something that...
2: There'll be lots of five-minute, six-minute uh, vignettes of just different things, and I'm just constantly adding to it just anything I can think of. Even from the simplest of things for people who are just getting started with horses to m- more complicated things for people that are kind of advanced, there's going to be gonna be a little bit for everybody on there and it's gonna be a I think it's gonna be kind of a neat have kind of a neat deal and you know I I've always been kind of a little standoffish about that kind of stuff but at the same rate it's only recently that the technology is there to be able to deliver this
1: in the way you
2: streaming need. a video to your phone you know that's that's pretty new technology anyway so I am kind of glad I waited Uh, because now it's you know the next best thing to to be in there with me so yeah,
1: it'll be good to fill you know kind of to fill in the gaps and yeah and then it'll be cool too because like if for those of us that get to ride with you three four times a year let's just say we'll have also stuff to talk about remember in this clip where I saw you do this what Mm -hmm. about you know and and so I think it'll
2: yeah enhance yeah and you know the during the clinics there are lots of times things will happen that that I'll think damn I wish we'd filmed that that was that was kind of cool and uh,
1: I think you're gonna be thinking that all the time
2: yeah and I won't be able to catch all of them but more and more we're capturing those few minutes here and there that you know that things things kind of surface so yeah, I, I think it'll be real, real interesting, and I'll be able to leave something behind. And You know, I've been going down the road 39 years since my first clinic.
1: Since and, you were 10 years old. Yeah,
2: and I'd like to think that I've, that I've got quite a bit of time left doing this, but, you know... Yeah, let's
1: if, be clear. This is not so if, that you can...
2: The road gets pretty long, and i got to say, there are some times where I just think... I am so not looking forward to this drive. I'm glad once I get there, that's all good. I still enjoy doing the clinics and I enjoy the people, but uh, getting there sometimes can can wear you down. But I got—I think I got a few years left in me.
1: Well, it doesn't help when it's 110. True. The clinic tour—it was
2: 105 at my house the other day during the colt.
1: Oh, that's right.
2: Colt thing—we started 50 colts this year
1: and did you say that's coming out on a or some event will be
2: yeah um yeah i forgot all about that um dan Wand is the man that does sequestrian nation and uh, he filmed it and it's i can't wait to see it. it's going to be cool because he filmed the whole cult deal and then we had gary morris who is huge country music star from the 80s and 90s I mean, has a voice of an angel. He was there singing on the porch for us one what? night. Yeah, I didn't hear about
1: that.
2: Yeah, and Dave Munzik was playing with him, a good friend of ours, great, great entertainer in his own right. And so the two of them were together, and uh, they put on about an hour show in the evening after the clinic, and ugh, it was so cool. Yeah, that's yeah. awesome. Yeah. <clears> then <throat> gary sang my favorite song of that time which is lasso the moon that is a fantastic song you guys should look that up on your phone lasso the moon gary morris yeah <laughs>
1: maybe we'll play that tomorrow yeah so i can hear it yeah yeah well we did an hour goes what? by so fast so um maybe we should do an hour next week
2: uh, um, yeah. I got to get back to you on Yeah,
1: okay. <laughs> and then what, maybe we we'll do a podcast instead, like a proper podcast in the evening or something. So, um, But thanks, everybody, for popping in. I'm sorry I was too nervous to say ahead of time so that people could be more prepared because I know a lot of you guys are going to be watching this back, and you'll be like, what the hell? Uh,
2: well, she thought I was going to bail maybe. So. I
1: did. I was a little nervous but um thank you thank you thank you thank you thanks for coming thanks for um chit chatting i love getting to talk to you about horsemanship it's the thing that has well not just learning from you which has given me everything that i've ever wanted with horses
2: i wish i could read what all my friends say on there but
1: there's carlos just joined carlos you freaking missed see again not fair to him because like i didn't give anyone much of a warning (laughs) they'll have to watch (coughs) it back but buck did answer your question so people are saying thank you great (laughs) fun thank you buck see you soon you know (laughs) yeah what so you have like two minutes you guys does anybody have any burning questions (laughs) look at carlos wow you're my hero Mm -hmm. have a great clinic oh yeah mike stewart mike stewart made you the saddle stand Uh uh-huh yep he's gonna make me some magical thing for my car
2: oh my saddle stand is beautiful
1: i think he's gonna have like a mega business uh got the snaffle dvd can't wait to see the rest of that work yes and that will will that be in bits to watch at all there'll on be
2: the- there'll be some clips from the snaffle bit uh dvd on the buck channel as well Huh? Cool. yeah, yeah.
1: How's Dove? Oh, right, Val. I forgot to ask about Dove because, dove. see, Michael and I kind of spilled the beans on Dove, and then I had remembered that you had told me about her. So, yeah, let's give the Dove.
2: Well, if Dove was a woman.
1: <laughs> Don't say that. You like her. You like if her. If
2: Dove was no, a woman. No. I would. I would. No. Probably have to consider having her as a girlfriend, I'm <laughs> telling you. And. She's so, pretty. I'm sorry, Mary, but Mary knows how much I like that mare. Oh, uh, she's so cool! I just I love her. I'm excited about her. She's really going to be a nice horse. And she's Ma-
1: fine. Ma-
2: it's Miss Mary's fault. Mary raised her, so <laughs> it's it's on her. Yeah, she brought that on herself raising such a pretty horse. But yeah, uh, she's going to be really neat. I just started her, rode her three times, so uh and this she, week it's she, kind of a re, kind of a restart because she sat for a couple of weeks while i was brand cast. Yes. so yeah so, so
1: i get to see the restart because you weren't yeah. supposed to start any colts
2: well i wasn't but i i started feeling a little bit better so i started too.
1: you start feeling left and the out admit it all those guys are starting colts and
2: i just didn't want to get behind on my horses and i I've got one, uh, got a two year old that I started beef. Oh my gosh. He is might be the nicest two year old I've started in years. Um, no, I'm not hauling him cause he's too young, but next year I'll be hauling him. Beef. Yeah. I can't decide whether to keep calling him beef. Some of the names they come up with at my house, I'm thinking of a long story, but there was a character in Lonesome Dove named La Beef. And, uh,
1: how is that better than beef,
2: though? Well, his actual register name is like Beefcake. Well, I'm not calling a horse that. So then I thought, well, the character that was that played La Beef in Lonesome Dove was Glenn Campbell. So I'm thinking of calling him Glenn. So I don't know. You'll
1: have I'll, to I'll like sleep you. on that. Right for now, I'm
2: calling him Beef, but yeah.
1: So Dove's here, so you're gonna you're gonna have her out in the foundation class in the morning. I am, yeah. It'll it should be fun. I'm excited. Yeah. So we're gonna be hot, but that's okay because
2: block it, it out. Drink more water.
1: For a good story, tell you want to tell the Ray story just really quick about the.
2: Yeah, one time Ray was doing a clinic, and it was 117 degrees, and there was no shade, <laughs> dusty, awful, and this lady wrote up to him, and she said, Ray. We're all just dying out here in the heat, and and I'm looking at you. And he was wearing a Pendleton flannel shirt, buttoned clear up to his neck. And she said, "I'm looking at you, and you don't even, you don't even look uncomfortable." I, I don't understand it. And Ray just looked over at her and said, "Just block it out." And I mean, he's just expressionless. And I thought that day when I heard him say that, I thought. You know what if ray hunt says it's not hot it's not he wasn't accepting that and if he said he was not gonna not gonna feel uncomfortable well he wasn't it didn't bother him he could block it out he had he had discipline beyond uh, he wasn't normal <laughs> he just wasn't normal
1: well i hope that we can channel some of that <laughs> this weekend but come yeah. out you guys come no out and see deal. because um so for for those of you who are haven't heard
2: it's a horse clinic we're not building a fence
1: know. that's yeah. true we're sitting on our horses yes come watch it'll be fun we'll drink water and we'll be fine and then it'll be a great story it's still better than 17 degrees anything is better than 17 yeah. degrees like, both of us would rather be
2: too hot, right? Yeah. Than too, I don't like being cold. Me either, yeah.
1: So, okay, you All guys. Right. Kip popped his head in. Oh, no. Which I did. Th- were there. Oh, Michael says to w- watch you work, Dove, again. Thanks for sharing some stories with us. Yes. See you, Michael. <laughs> okay. All right, you guys. Have a good. Hopefully, we'll see you this weekend. I got to let these guys go golfing. So, we'll see you later. Bye.
0: Well, I hope you enjoyed that episode of the podcast. Thanks to the one and only Buck Brannaman for joining me. Remember, you guys can now check out thebuckchannel.com, which is live. I highly recommend it. Buck is truly a gem and has given me so much in my horsemanship. Remember, you can join us live on Instagram every Thursday morning at 6.30 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. Would love to have you there. Check the show notes for all the other information. I hope you have a great week going forward. Let's connect soon.